Hello and welcome to the Kinky Boys Podcast. I'm Craig and today we've got a spooktacular Halloween special because I'm cheesy as fuck. So, before we begin the show, I'd like to thank our sponsor-level patrons, Matthew, and all of our £1-level patrons. You make this show possible, and it's a big help. If you'd like to join up for just the £1 tier, you get the episode a week early. And if you do the £5 tier, you get thanked on the show by me. Before we get into the topics and I introduce my lovely guest... I would just like to point your attention to a link in the show notes. This is for my friend Orr's uh, Halloween project. It's amazing. He's taken his Twitter profile and turned it into a sort of a choose-your-own-adventure, like those old books or the Black Mirror Bandersnatch thing they had on Netflix. And you just go through, and it's a scary, sexy Halloween adventure, all about monsters and sex and flirting And it's really a bit of fun. He put a lot of effort into this, a lot of time. His account actually got locked because he was posting too much because of this. But it's this wonderful, amazing experience. So I'd like you to check it out just for a fun time. Uh, Link in the show notes. So now, on with the show topic and over to our guest. Um, So today we've got um, Eddie. Hello. And today we are going to be covering some seasonal appropriate topics. Uh, we've got blood play, and then we're going to talk about sexy vampires. Everyone loves sexy vampires. Yes. So, yeah, uh, folks may remember Eddie. We had him back on a while ago for, oh God, like two years ago now for... Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Impact Play. Um, and here we're going to talk about one of his other fetishes, which is... Blood plays. Obviously, I can't do anything nice and easy in life. I have to go <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. What... So, for people who have never come across it, what is blood play? Um, so, I guess it can be, as with all kink things, it can be lots of different things to, to different people. Um, I tend to mean it in kind of the needles way, the, mm-hmm. the drawing blood, uh-huh. the... the tasting a blood and a <laughs> yeah. vampire type way um but there's other levels like um it can just be really really strong biting yeah um some people are into mm-hmm. um what's kind of called play piercing where mm-hmm. you make um effectively really pretty decorative shapes oh, okay. using needles and that mm-hmm. on people um so yeah it, it kind of means different things but either way it usually involves um your skin being pierced mm-hmm. um and as a result you will probably end up bleeding somewhere along the way. Yeah. So it's not always actually just about the blood itself. It's about essentially piercing, breaking the skin. Yeah. Sort of any play involving that. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, yeah. it's that extension from, from my previous um, mm. podcast with you of yeah. um, that very heavy pain area. Mm-hmm. Um, but weirdly, I would say a lot of it is 
is much more about the mental side of it than the physical side. I can imagine, because that would get a lot of brain chemicals flowing, a lot of yeah. head spaces. Yeah, you have to be in a very good headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a lot of trust in the person you're, you're playing with or the people you're playing mm-hmm. with. Um, you know, both people kind of need to, to be fairly knowledgeable about how yeah. to do it. It's not something to dive in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a huge amount of that mental dynamic mm-hmm. going on. And then again, in the same way that you get with heavy impact play and things like mm-hmm. that, there's these endorphins and adrenaline that yeah. kind of fire off in you as it's going mm-hmm. on. Cool. Uh, so for you, when did it start? Blood play specifically, mm-hmm. I'm not hugely sure. I mean, I um, definitely was interested in the, the rougher, kinkier side of things pretty much from when I hit puberty. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely liked biting mm-hmm. early on. Um, and then I think in that way that you just get kinkier as you go on. Yeah. Uh, I developed into to kind of more and more extreme kinks mm-hmm. and, and heavier and harder kinks. <laughs> Um, and blood play was, was always just kind of end up being the progression from that. It helps that I never had a problem with needles or anything like that. I was always like weirdly fascinated when I went to the hospital. Oh, okay. and, like, took, but, um, I was the person like looking and watching. Yeah, <laughs> so, because uh, everyone tends to look away when they're having their own blood taken. Whereas I actually find it less painful if mm. I watch and oh, really? I see when the needle goes in. Um, oh. I find it easier to deal with, uh, then. And then also I just find it fascinating. Uh, so, so yeah, I guess that helps. I'm mm. sure if you, I'm sure if I had had a problem with needles, it probably would have been a thing that I yeah, was not yeah. going to get into. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I always have to look away. I'm not bad with needles, but it's also just the look of flesh getting pierced just doesn't sit right in my brain. That's fine. But yeah, then again, yeah. it depends how you do mm. blood play because, you know, a lot mm. of the play piercing stuff um, is quite mm. often done on people's backs mm-hmm. because it's the big fleshy bit of skin that's quite easy yeah. to pierce um, and doesn't uh, risk too much damage or anything like that. So then people aren't necessarily seeing it. It's just the, the physical feeling and sensation. Because, yeah. um, I mean, I've seen where people do like the corset look where they put in little needles of the eyelids yeah. and weave and the corset you, in. And then you actually thread lace yeah. through, which is a really good thing to see. I don't. I think it's much more of a that one is much more of a public impression yeah. blood piss, yeah. blood play thing. Um, you don't tend to do that so much mm-hmm. playing one on one or something mm-hmm. like that um, because a lot of it is is for the look. Um, whereas if you were playing one on one, you might still do the piercings and the needle, but you probably wouldn't necessarily thread. Um, yeah, that's very decorative. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's for your photo shoot, yeah. your nice goth look photo shoot. Um, <laughs> yeah. For, your, for your Halloween witch look. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, Instagrammable. <laughs> <laughs> but it, so needles, like, do you use knives and scalpels at all? Yes. Or? So um, mm-hmm. I tend to use scalpels mm-hmm. and needles. Um, mm-hmm. Knives are also really good, and knives feed into that sensation mm-hmm. play thing. And knives are a lot easier in some ways for people to use because it's a lot easier to vary the pressure yeah. with a knife. Um, don't. Go and use your kitchen knives to do this. Um, no, please, no. please get knives especially for this. Usually, carbon steel blades are yeah. the best kind because they're the easiest to sterilize mm. and they're the sharpest. Um, but uh, obviously, you can you can kind of trace that down someone's arm or something like that, and depending on how much pressure you put down, can f- start that whole sensation and pain mm. side before yeah. you even get 
um, the glove side. Needles and scalpels are a lot easier to actually draw blood mm. with because mm. um, they are sharper and they're a very fine blade yeah. or piercing point. Uh, and again, it's all about where you do it and kind of being careful with kind of, you know, obviously don't mm. stab yeah. people. This is not about stabbing people. No. This is actually about doing something that is very shallow and very um, superficial. Almost. Yeah. I mean, I imagine, especially with stuff like scalpels and knives, it it adds a bit of theatricality to a scene. Yeah. It, like, you bring out a knife and it is sort of a dramatic... And again, this is a lot where a lot of it is the mental side mm-hmm. of it, is a lot of it isn't necessarily actually that that physical sensation of being cut or yeah. being pierced or anything like that. It's the build-up mm-hmm. to it. It's, yeah. it's the the threat, the, the kind of aesthetic of mm-hmm. it. Um, the the kind of will they won't they when when are they yeah, going to yeah. cut um, type thing uh, that helps drive that dynamic between mm-hmm. between kind of who's effectively top or bottom yeah. in terms of a blood play side uh, in the scene and a lot of people do do blood playing combine it with a medical fetish. Oh, um, right. I can see. I can see where because that goes. again, it, it goes. Yeah. Into, and on the Halloween side, it goes into that creepy doctor yeah, type yeah. thing. Um, but I don't. <laughs> tend to do that but then even if you're not a lot of the time there might be quite medically oriented stuff like obviously like a lot of the safety stuff that you have around is going to be a medical sharp spin or you're going to have um the same mm-hmm. kind of trays that they the dentist has yeah for you, yeah their little tools and things uh so yeah there's definitely a visual element to it yeah so let's walk through a scene so uh so, like, say you've started a scene, you've got a good top, you trust, you've done the negotiation, you've done all that. Okay, how, what, what, how, what's the flow like in that? How does it go? Again, it's really hard to say because mm. blood play is so personal mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the first thing is obviously, yeah, you are going to get into uh, subspace, which I'm mm-hmm. sure is a word you've talked about yeah, on yeah. this podcast before. Um, of getting whoever is going to be the receptive partner, mm-hmm. the, the pierced partner, into a headspace uh, where they are just kind of focused on the scene and not worrying about things. They mm. will be ready to kind of have that pain happen to them. Mm. Um, and then you might get into that theatrical sweat yeah. side of it um, that brings in that whole dom-sub mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, in terms of uh, the piercing itself, I guess it depends what you're using. If you're using a knife, you're going to build that up with the, yeah. the pressure and the sensation, mm-hmm. and then it's going to be good to cut. And a lot of with knives, it tends to be a scratch mm-hmm. kind of cut because obviously you're drawing down, um, yeah. say, an arm or something. Uh, with needles, mm-hmm. um, either you're piercing, mm-hmm. in which case you're going uh, in to the skin and out the mm-hmm. other side as you would with a sewing needle. Uh, or you're drawing blood, in mm-hmm. which case you're obviously going for a vein, uh, which, uh, depending on who it is, depending yeah, on how yeah. it is defined. Um, if you're doing scalpels, you're probably doing something along the lines um, of scarification, or mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to carve something into them, almost <laughs> in a branding type way. Um, but you're, you're probably cutting to make an effect. You're, yeah. you're trying to draw something... Mm-hmm. Um, at which point there's probably a, a, a kind of pattern to, to mm-hmm. how they're doing yeah. that. Um, 
as with heavy impact play and any kind of playing play, it's about reading the bottom correctly mm-hmm. and not just giving them all of this pain at once. Yeah. So you do a little bit, you back off. You do a little bit, you back off. And especially with blood play, you have to check in with the bottom partner mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Um, and make sure they're okay. Make sure they're still in that headspace. Make sure that the pain is bearable for them. Mm-hmm. Um, give them time to adjust. Uh, and know how to read them really well, which is why it's really important to play with someone that you know for blood play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With just any random person <laughs> off grinder or anything like that. Hi, oh, come stab me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't I really want... don't recommend that for grinder. Um, <laughs> you definitely want someone that that you know and you trust. Um, and in a way, similar to heavy bondage, mm-hmm. there's a lot. There's so much time spent on the setup. And the wind down. Yeah. Um, the actual blood play is almost very small com- mm, compared. Yeah. A lot of it is the setting up, is getting everything in a line. Mm. And obviously you can make that theatrical and you can mm, make that yeah. part of that scene that builds that suspense. Um, but then a lot of it is, yes, you've done all this lovely blood play and this piercing. Mm-hmm. It takes a while for the stuff to calm down and you've got to take it all out of the... Yeah, yeah. That takes a lot of time as well. Because, I mean, just the adrenaline in the system alone would probably take a long while to just pass. And Yeah, so again, I'm sure you've had discussions before yeah. the importance of kind of giving people hugs after Yes, after play. Um, and all of that aftercare. And, and in blood play, obviously, aftercare has another side to it, mm. which is cleaning yeah. any wounds, putting coverings on anything mm. that might need a covering. Mm-hmm. Um, people heal at different rates. Some, if it's a small wound, maybe people don't need yeah. covering. Maybe they just need it cleaned. Um, obviously, if you've done a bigger session or anything, then they might well need kind of a dressing or plaster at least over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then on top of that, there's, there's again that mm. mental side. If you've got to hug them and take care of them, probably give them some food. They yeah. probably need some food and some sugar whilst that adrenaline, those endorphins mm. kind of slowly calm down. <laughs> yeah. Um, to my knowledge, the, the blood players that I know, we none of us tend to do like two sessions in a row. No, it's I can imagine much, it's... Uh, yeah. you, do, you do it and then you have a break for a good while, mm-hmm. um, for a week or so, yeah. before you start going and doing it again. Yeah, because I mean, the body can only take so much and I think people always underestimate how much of an impact healing takes on the body. Yeah. I mean, I've had so many people who have had, like, got a tattoo, their first tattoo, and then for the next week they're like, I'm so tired and exhausted, and I don't know why. And it's like, you've had some really bad subdermal damage, and your body's having to put a lot of its resources into healing. You're going to be exhausted for a bit. Yeah, no, it's a, I find um, blood play sessions, yeah, so draining afterwards. All you want to do is sleep for a few days, um, because... Both because, again, because of the, the physical side, of mm. you've had this damage and your body's recovering, you've burnt through so much adrenaline, yeah. um, far more than you normally would, uh, and your body needs to recover that. But also, again, just you've been in this very deep mental space, mm-hmm. um, and that's really good and really fun at the time. Yeah, yeah. But, again, anyone who, who's done any kind of deep-level submission yeah, uh, sub- listening to this will know that it... It's not just you have a cookie and you're fine. It, yeah. it takes a good day or two to your brain is in the right place again. Like a sub drop is a big thing. And I think people, this is something I think we need to talk about more on the show is 
aftercare isn't just the immediate cuddles afterwards. No. It's like checking in, like, how's your mental stay? You know, you've been through this big experience. Now you're having to go back to regular life. It's sort of... Yeah, trying to go to work the next day. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah. If you, if you, the day before, you had loads of needles pinned through <laughs> yeah, your body. Yeah, um, the, the disconnect is really... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, it seems like we're going this way anyway. So I think maybe talk about safety, which I imagine would be quite a long list for this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I always think, especially because I tend to play with quite, rather than quite mm-hmm. severe ends of the spectrum... My thing is always about knowing what to do if something goes wrong. Um, and you can be playing with two very experienced people and accidents can happen. You, you can hit the wrong nerve point. Someone can, can kind of come out of the right headspace at the wrong moment. Uh-huh. Um, and that just makes them jump or jerk and suddenly there's a knife yeah. somewhere where it should yeah. be. And that's obviously the, the worst thing that could happen mm. during love play. So you need people that are going to know what to do then and how to yeah. react. Um, so the important thing is obviously having all of kind of the kit ready to deal mm-hmm. with that out and within hand's reach beforehand. So I have sharp spins, obviously, to dispose of need- used needles. Yeah. Um, I only use sterile mm-hmm. stuff, so it's all single use and packaged and you have to open it. Yeah. Um, you clean the area both on the person and around that you're mm-hmm. playing with um, beforehand. I've got wound care kits that have just are very quick to open and immediately have kind of wadding and sterile dressings and things like that that you can kind of very quickly put down yeah. on someone. And they're designed, frankly, they're A&E design kits, so mm-hmm. they're designed to be used by people whose hands are probably covered in various liquids yeah, anyway, yeah. like you are probably going to be in any kind of sexual yeah, blood yeah. scenario. It might not be blood, it might be other fluids. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want something that you can use in that scenario and the other thing i would say is that you i always say you should have a phone within easy reach mm-hmm. and preferably you should have one of the kind of old old style non-mobile phones with like tactile buttons with tactile buttons yeah. again because we've all tried to use our phone mm-hmm. in, in the rain yeah and it just doesn't work on a touch screen no as well. no um if something's going wrong and you're trying to stop someone from bleeding or you're trying to just calm them down, mm-hmm. maybe it's not gone that long, maybe they're just panicking mm-hmm. and you're trying to put your attention on them, but you still need to be able to ring emergency services or something, you need to be able to do that without looking at your phone with yeah, your hand yeah. covered in fluids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the easiest way to do that is if you have a tactile uh, phone. So I guess that's kind of my safety approach of that. Um and then, yeah, it's just about knowing who you're playing with. As I say, I don't know many blood players who play with lots and lots of different people. You play with a handful yeah. of people. Um, you have to know them really mm-hmm. well, trust them really well. Uh, and I'm always amazed at the people that can do it in public because it's not something I would be able to do no, in public. It's no. a very personal thing for me. Yeah. Um, and there are people who do it in public and it's, amazing to watch um, oh yeah even if you're not into blood play just to see the dynamic between them mm. is fascinating i mean there was the at fetish week um on the master classes we have here for fetish week there's a big one held in a theater with two things and one of the education things was on piercing and suspension play and that was 
insane to watch. So I went to that and mm, yeah. I loved it. I had a huge grin on my face because it's fascinating mm. to see people. And this is kind of the even more extreme mm. end of blood play compared to me, which mm. is that the guy was suspended with basically two meat hooks in his back. Oh! Um, which sounds vicious yeah. when you describe it. Um, but actually just to watch it is kind of fascinating. Mm. That the human body can take that and do that, um, and he, you know, he was wandering around smiling straight afterwards. But yeah, there's a lot in there that, in a public place, you need to be careful of things like, yes, obviously, all, all the people watching are going to want to get in close, and, yeah, and yeah. they can't, um, in the same way that they can't with flogging, um, yeah, demonstrations, for example. You need to give the people space. <laughs> um, getting involved is probably going to panic the bottom more than it's going to help yeah, anything. Yeah. Leave them to do it and mm-hmm. watch from a respectful distance, is all <laughs> yeah. I have to say in public. Um, but the top doing it should be equally aware of that as a safety yeah. thing yeah. for who they're taking care of. Please stand back mm-hmm. and please do not get involved unless I ask you to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you ever get a chance mm-hmm. to see someone doing play piercing mm-hmm. in public, I really recommend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So, like... Obviously, there's things like, um, obviously, you're dealing with bodily fluids. Like, I assume, is there any extra tests you need to do? Because, I mean, obviously, we all should be doing our regular tests of knowing your status, knowing what you've got, knowing what you don't got. It's sort of... I don't think there are any extra tests Mm -hmm. that you need to do. Um, You do, obviously, want to inform each other of any healthcare risks. Mm -hmm. Because you're playing with blood and broken skin, you should both have had recent sexual health tests mm-hmm. um, and you should know each other's HIV status or anything mm-hmm. like that that is clearly going to affect how you should play and things like that. It doesn't necessarily mean you don't play, it just yeah. might mean that there's more barrier protection yeah. like gloves and things like that involved depending mm-hmm. on how, how you approach yeah. it. Um, but I don't think there's any immediate um tests you need the only thing i might say is obviously if you do get ill afterwards you probably want to get that checked out sooner yeah because there's a higher risk of i mean hilariously my sexual health clinic has a note in my file that i (laughs) do blood play um Mm -hmm. because it's relevant to my sexual health i don't do it that often but it is relevant (laughs) and they need to know that depending on what how i might have been infected and what i might have been doing oh that's pretty cool uh yeah, so obviously aftercare, um, is there just general tips for like treating the marks and wounds and that? And Yeah, but I think they're the, probably the same ones that most people know from just their general first aid mm-hmm. when they've had a graze on their knee or anything like that is, you know, obviously make sure you, you clean the area um, if you need to put um, plasters or dressings mm-hmm. over it. Um, this is a little harder if you've done something to someone's back. Obviously, yeah. they probably can't do it, and you need to take care of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, don't wear a white t-shirt the next day. It's a very yeah. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> um, but uh, and I think it's really important that it is the same person who was in that scene with you doing that. Yeah. Um, both to help build that trust, um, but also again from a. Uh, experience mm-hmm. thing. So I have once done needle play in public mm-hmm. um, and it was the end of the scene and someone else went to kind of untie me uh, and this fellow came from the other end of the room of the top who had been yeah. putting the needles into me and he just said, no one touch him but me. And I immediately went, that's why he is allowed to do the scene with me because 
I have that trust with him and he's going to look out for me. Oh, that's awesome. In that way um, that, you know, all the other person was trying to do was help and make mm. people comfortable. But yeah, it was that importance of trust with the other person that had done mm. this mm. quite painful and terrible yeah, thing yeah. to me that I, again, had a huge grin on my face mm. for. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, as you already alluded to in in this earlier aftercare doesn't just mean the half hour afterwards it, it doesn't just mean yeah. cleaning the wound off them there and then it means looking out for them for the next few days mm. looking out for yourself for the next few days not going rock climbing the next yeah day yeah or anything yeah. like that um plan it carefully and think about what you're doing give yourself time to recover cool so yeah i mean that's very um thoroughly covered it so maybe one last thing which is so say someone's always wanted to do this but they don't know where to find people into it um are there any resources for people that's a hard one Mm -hmm. um there used to be uh this great club Mm -hmm. in london uh that did very extreme kinks that unfortunately is now closed and that was a really great place to go watch others doing it learn a little bit more about it, find other people into it. And it's a shame that that's gone. Um, I would uh, recommend for kind of supplies, resources, um, they do have things from places, edgeplay.co.uk. That's where I get all of my needles from. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, they have links to resources and I think links to groups. Um, But it is a really hard kink to get into and I would say that most of the people that I know who got into it didn't get into it through meeting up with a random stranger or an yeah, yeah. group. They actually got into it as a natural development of mm-hmm. a kink relationship with a partner mm-hmm. where they, they got more and more into pain and then they tried something else. And usually that's that people try knives first because, again, you can do that. Yeah. With, varying levels of sensation in the same way that you can't do with needles. Needles either pierce or they don't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas knives, you can adjust the pressure according Mm. to what is working for each of you. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's a really hard thing to get. I'm not necessarily certain I have that. No, no. I would say, yeah, do not do it with random strangers. Um, Definitely make sure that the person you're doing with it is experienced and knows what they're doing. Do not ever try and have two of you that don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Into it that way will end badly. Yeah. It, it, it is very much do your due diligence and like... And that's why safety yeah. is like the huge yeah. the huge thing with blood play. So much of it is probably like, you know, 80% yeah. safety yeah. and 20% the actual mm. blood play and kink and that. Um, it's about making sure that it doesn't go wrong because yeah. you have to recognise you are doing something that is quite... Severe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Certainly quite extreme for most people. <laughs> cool. And, I mean, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered it. I think let's get it's into... Sexy vampire time. Yes, sexy vampire sexy time. vampires. Because yeah. it's like, obviously this is related because a lot of people like the idea of being bitten. And... Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a, I forget what the technical name is but there's a there's a whole something something philia yeah philia around being bitten um that is its own little subgroup of interest (laughs) i mean vampires are fascinating because like i'm a media studies nerd and i'm a sort of horror nerd and like 
vampires have always been one of these like Hollywood monsters where they always reflect the social nervousness of the time and the under- sexual undercurrents and but I think you get yeah. you, you, I think you mainly get like two different kinds mm. of vampires you get like the Dracula ancient evil who's not yeah. necessarily attractive but is very domineering mm. that presence yeah. is something to be in yeah um, but again goes back to that kind of kink yeah <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, or you get the kind of more modern you know a HBO TV show and mice <laughs> like sucky sexy yeah. young they're stylish they're rich they're things yeah. that you aspire to mm. um, and uh, they're always beautiful mm. and they live forever <laughs> yeah yeah uh, as we would all like to <laughs> <laughs> and it is like I mean there's also like I always see two different things where it's sort of Again, going back to the Dracula thing, it's presented as actually quite elegant. I get more Anne Rice, this sort of stuff, where it's elegant, beautiful, and sexy. It's almost that old guard protocol kind of way to it. There's a a Mm. way that it happens. And again, with vampires and that being bitten thing, we have Mm. this concept in in kind of vampire lore and that, Mm. that vampires are picky. Yeah. They don't just go around and bite anyone. They're very mm. selective and they're very choosy. Mm. So it's kind of an honour that you, <laughs> yeah. you have been yeah. chosen um, to be their victim in the same mm. way that, again, for the kind of dom yeah. sub type thing, you, you want the dom, you want that master to, to kind of pay attention to you and lavish attention yeah. on yeah. you, even if that attention means that they're causing pain because they're whipping you or yeah. flogging you yeah. or whatever it is. Uh, it's a very similar kind of... Yeah, I mean, so I always really enjoy stories with the sort of cat and mouse dynamic where they're pursuing the victim and sort of getting to know them and visiting them night after night. And Yeah, no, I yeah. think we all love yeah. that. Again, we all yeah. want to be seduced. We mm. all love, we all secretly yeah. crave that kind of attention uh, in a way and that that push and pull mm. of, of how dynamic, you know, relationship dynamics and kink dynamics work. Um, I mean, there's a huge thing around the... the concept of blood as life force that, yeah. that obviously stretches through civilizations of mm. mythology yeah. and, and that it's nothing new um, but obviously vampires feed into that of any amount of blood giving is a sacrifice it, it's important yeah. even if it's a small cut it's mm. important and we ascribe so much um, more sympathy as mm. well to when someone gets a cut on their finger or a graze on their knee then we perhaps would other kind like a bruise or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Suddenly you've broken the skin and it's important. And again, vampires mm. feed into that giving over or something mm. or having it taken from you. But blood is important. Yeah. It's life. It's power. Yeah. And there's also the other end of the vampire spectrum where it gets incredibly savage. So like, obviously you've got the sort of the stereotypical aristocrat or proud, beautiful Anne Rice vampires. But then you also have the ones where, like, they will just, you know, mouth dripping with blood as they yeah, just the, the rip the throat out. Yeah, style. But again, you know, that's that power and yeah. expression yeah. that people do find. Sexy. Well, it's the mix because, like, you've got the presentation, then it drops, and it's just this sheer primal. Yeah, we sort of... exactly. We all like that primal mm. kind of almost mm. rugged <laughs> style approach. Um, it's kind of like a Resident Evil split of vampires. But yeah. What they did with zombies, of instead of just having the 
the beautiful, graceful vampires yeah. you suddenly got these very visceral mm. ones that are actually kind of terrifying, and yet we're still intrigued. We still yeah. kind of love it. Um, and secretly, everybody wants to be a vampire because, again, you get, you get to you know live forever. <laughs> I was always a werewolf, and and this is something interesting. I was chatting with the werewolves a... live forever, though. Some do, some don't, but it like. I was chatting with a friend. It's sort of, in his mind, he always associated vampires were twinks, werewolves were bears. And I realised I kind of had the same thing in my head. It's like, werewolves are more about, like, the primal primal urges, and you let go, and you become this huge beast that... I guess that, that's because we do think of vampires as very pretty, mm. um, generally. Although, again, some of the TV shows that have been recently have definitely gone more into the kind of masculine yeah. Rugged, uh, yeah style vampire um that is definitely more my type <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean I, yeah i'm attracted to that that primal hunter prey yeah very aggressive very almost violent uh, mm. a thing of it which you do get with werewolves um werewolves i associate with biting more than vampires weirdly no no um, that like vampires just bite you in one place werewolves are just generally bitey and teary. Yeah, and again, I'm very much for yeah, that, yeah. so I, I'm kind of good with basically my things and my bears, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is, with werewolves, like, a lot of my kinks, like, their root is very much in having an excuse to let go and drop social niceties and drop your own inhibitions. And werewolves have that sort of built-in where once a month, you can't help it. I you you, that. you, you I just get that. all the limits removed, and but I think similar to what you said earlier with vampires. Of again, we think of vampires as very elegant and mm. that, but then there's also this side of them that's mm. brutal and horrible, mm. with blood streaming yeah. down their mouth and that, and suddenly the the veneer of that elegance with vampires mm. breaks, and again you can suddenly let go, and you have this completely absent of any social morals mm. or anything like that um, in the same way that you do with werewolves. Yeah. Um, I guess I like vampires because they're not restricted to once a month. I can let it yeah, happen yeah. anytime. <laughs> 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 whereas, whereas you guys have a cycle. So. <laughs> no, I mean, it, and it is always fascinating in the history how, uh, especially once Dracula came along, there was that sort of element of sexual perversion and I mean there was very much an undercurrent of foreigners coming over here and stealing our women with Dracula <laughs> and that sort of stealing their necks yeah and oh who's the vampire one is it Camilla where oh it's a story even older than Dracula and it's literally very clearly written about a female countess seducing a woman but it's all done through metaphor, but it's sort of that Oscar Wilde, you know what's going on. No, here. I, I can think of, like, um, Countess of Farce, who used to do the, like, bathing in the blood of virgins uh, thing, supposedly. And... I, I think it is Camilla. Okay. I'll need to double-check that, but yeah, Camilla is... Maybe I'm out of my vampire yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, on the first sort of same-sex vampire metaphors. Because you know, it's this trope in horror that... Queer people identify a lot with horror monsters because they're on the outside of society. It's that sort of... And horror monsters are portrayed as not necessarily queerer, but just mm. less... They don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, 
you know, to them it's about the hunt and, yeah. and again that that very primal mm. side of it, and whether that's a, a hunting a, a boy or a girl, it doesn't matter to mm. them. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, what they want is to bite your neck. Yeah. <laughs> whereas, mm. whereas obviously, yeah, society is much more geared towards this kind of no. Obviously, you're supposed to, you know, kiss a woman, yeah. or cheat, yeah. or something yeah. like that. Um, and yeah, fundamentally, queer people are a lot more into mm. the concept of like, no, I want you to be rough and hurt me, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. It's. I mean, there's an uh, author I like, uh, Jeff Mann. Great guy. I want to have him on the show sometime. I'm friends with him. But he's very much into his vampire ones. So, okay. so like, I very much recommend looking up his short stories on awesome. vampires. Because <laughs> he very much goes for sort of the sort of big, butch, berry, muscle bear, redneck sort of aesthetic with a vampire just, like, tearing into someone. And Which is, as you say, odd. Because yeah. even though there are certainly some more mm. rugged looking mm. vampires on certain TV shows and yeah. things that we've had in the past few years. Yeah, they're like almost lumberjack style vampires. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine that. That's a mm. really it doesn't interesting go aesthetic. together as you say, you associate that more with things like werewolves or Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's weird how yeah. our concepts of masculinity, power, what we find sexy, etc., are very much <laughs> Yeah. Even with sexy monsters, even with sexy fake monsters that are just concepts of our imagination. Yeah. <laughs> we still kind of go along with the werewolf is big and burly. Yeah. And then the vampire is pretty and beautiful and hopefully not sparkling. Hopefully we've moved yeah, on. No, from, no, I think we've done with vampires. that. Um, but, I mean, I think it's worth talking about the sparkly vampires. That's why I like when mentioning the T-Wave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, because it is all, again, like it all revolves around as sex as a met- uh, blood as a metaphor for sex yes. and sort of you know turning her into a vampire and that and has I to wait till marriage. Have a really fun sex mm. scene after they get married, yeah. where he basically destroys the bed because they're yeah. having such angry sex, and that's the sex that I want. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it is like they become this fit all for everyone's sexual desire. Yeah, and again with the obviously it's. Was it Team Edwin, Team Jacob? Yeah. Whether you wanted the vampire who was very pretty and sparkly, or whether you wanted the permanently shirtless because he kept yeah. tearing his clothes. <laughs> Werewolf in Jacob. Um, but again, as a metaphor for sex, mm. it's do you, do you, we've all been in that three way situation yeah. of which person do you want mm. and they're slight opposites, they've got slightly different mm. attractions. Yeah. Do you want this kind of very passionate choice or the more kind of relationship? long-term choice that yeah. <laughs> is apparently a vampire somehow. <laughs> I'm sure Freud would have a field day with yes, it. Yes. But, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I was team both, so I don't yeah. know where you fell. I, I would not yeah. have said no to either of them. I mean, considering it was written by a Mormon housewife, like, for some Mormons, you know, multiple partners is an option. Maybe there's a big vampire sex fanfic in Mormon culture that we just don't know about. Possibly. <laughs> it's like, I found out the other day about um, bonnet rippers. Okay, you're going to have to explain this. So, they are very specifically uh, sort of the bodice ripper romance um, entirely written around Amish people. Thing is, they're not for Amish people. They're for evangelicals. 
Like, the evangelical women love this stuff. Oh, my God, this is weird. Because it's seen as this intensely Christian, pure thing, but also, to the, to their standards, very foreign and exotic. <laughs> Our concept of, yeah. like, what is foreign and yeah. exotic is, is weird about humans. Mm. Yeah, but it's seen as exotic, but they also fit very well into the sort of the evangelical Christian mould of... You know, wives stay at home, patriarchal family, sort of. Okay. I mean, it's, again, I'm, it's I'm... this huge phenomenon, phenomenon apparently. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to stick yeah. with either like my Twilight or my, I don't know, like True Blood style. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're kind of more down my line. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's interesting how much uh, vampires always end up being sexual compared to, say, like, everyone is freaking about, uh, was it Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro? Yeah, with the freaky fish feature. Yeah, yeah. Creature. Uh. And it's like, I mean, they literally just took the creature from the Black Lagoon and... and somehow made him sexy. Yeah. Um, made him sexy by feeding him, like, boiled eggs or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did see that movie, and it was very much in his style, in that it was mm. beautiful and artistically shot yeah. and everything like that. But it was just so weird and freaky. Like, you, this, you're having sex with basically a fish creature. Yeah. Which, you know, no, I'm not trying to cast shade on any of his sexual <laughs> <laughs> ability or anything like that. But it just seems like it would involve a lot of goop to me. It seems like yeah. it would be sticky. Although some people like that. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe maybe it's basically just the natural extension of gunge play, but from a Halloween perspective. Uh, ah, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, you end up having sex with weird fish creatures. <laughs> um, I'm sure somebody would. <laughs> um, I'm sure you can probably get... There's probably yeah. someone with a hmm. latex-style fursuit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> they, you get scalies. You do get scalies, but I don't think I've seen any Guillermo de Toro scalies <laughs> yet. Um, and if there are, please let yourselves know, because that would be amazing to see. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I'd love to see them. I mean, we had um, a couple ago a guy really into like using latex mask in, masks in play. Okay. And he did have one, which was like a snake mask. I'm really funny about masks. I generally don't like masks because I like to see... Yeah people and what's going on and again with with the heavy ends of king for me a lot of it is mm. being able to have that eye contact and, and yeah people in that way masks stop yeah so much stop. of that because they're covering your face um but there are definitely some really cool mar- like there's um i've seen a guy with like a leather anubis mask and that yes i've seen that that looks brilliant yeah i think we all want that mask but it probably costs yeah. two thousand pounds I mean, I know one of the big rubber companies does basically, it's sort of like a gas mask modified to look like a grey alien. I can definitely see people having a kink for that. Yeah. Again, I mean, the ovipositor dildo exists. Yeah, no. Yeah. Almost in a slightly similar to vampires way, obviously not Mm. ovipositing, Mm. but that, that kind of abduction and abduction um, by these very different creatures mm. um, that don't look right and yeah. don't look normal and you're kind of in their power and yeah. in their fall and you have to let it happen to you. I think there's definitely a lot with the alien kink. Yeah. Um, probably in New Mexico. I mean, I've got a few friends who identify as monster fuckers and they tend to go for the more, like, less human, more monstrous sort of sex fantasies, which I find fascinating. Obviously, Venom's a big one. Oh yeah, but no, they do tend sense. to go with big tongues, big teeth, 
So, I mean, big teeth would probably yeah. Yeah. appeal to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Big tongues, I feel like again, you end up in that slobber. World. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, although I guess if you're into werewolves, like werewolves are generally seen as pretty drooling. Yeah, slobbery <laughs> types. So <laughs> I think it just yeah. depends how you like your sex. Whether you like it like hard and rough or slobbery. <laughs> I mean, I know people who actually like to do vampire play in real life. They get the model fangs. Yeah. And there you look amazing. Yeah. And they're really sharp. Yes, yeah. they are. Um, this is the thing with biting. If you yeah. try and do biting, blah, blah, you mm. have to bite really hard to actually pierce the skin. Mm. Um, I don't think people realise how hard <laughs> it is to just... Uh, we think of our teeth generally as fairly sharp. Yeah. They're designed for tearing through flesh mm. and meat. Um but you have to use a lot of force, and it's really painful. It's far yeah. easier just to use a needle, trust me. Um, but I have used those um, fake kind of yeah. vampire teeth, and they do make them a lot pointier than your normal teeth, which cause... does help. Um, I mean, I'm weird. I like the taste of that, so... Yeah. Uh, it's like, I remember... Who was it? A couple of years ago, someone brought out... Um lube that was made to look like blood it was essentially red dye but yeah no yeah. I, uh, I actually got some of that yeah. because i felt i had to place the type um, <laughs> yeah. and everyone was sending me links to it at the time yeah. being like this is obviously a thing for you so i went fine i'll buy it i'll yeah, get it yeah and i come from a theater background mm-hmm. and so i'm used to kind of how to make fake yeah. blood and yeah. things like that and yeah the lube was basically like red food coloring <laughs> <laughs> it was not great it was not good this was before the days when they had really worked out how to make that cum lube type yeah. stuff so they hadn't really worked out consistency <laughs> yeah, either um honestly it's just easier to use lube <laughs> yeah yeah cool um so i think yeah, that's a good place to leave it, shall we? Cool. Cool. Spooky Halloween podcast. Yes. Woo! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, as usual, um, if you back up, you can back us on Patreon. We would really appreciate that. Um, you can find us at Kinky Boys Pod on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, we've got a Gmail, which is Kinky Boys Podcast. Um, if they've got any questions, where can they find you, Eddie? If you... Um, weirdly my blog, which I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna use as a plug for this, uh, I, um, an experiment in truth, uh, is my blog, um, the easiest way is to Google it, um, but, uh, that's usually the easiest way to find me, and I have blog posts there on blood play, and also a very extensive one on bottoming, but I'm kind of like... Yes, <laughs> if you've ever come across, um, the bottoming 101 blog post everyone shares, like, is it over a million It views? is, oh, so as of February, it was over a million mm. hits, which is astounding, and it still gets mm. 4,000 hits a month. Fantastic. Um, wow. Thank you to Reddit and Google, who basically continue to keep me <laughs> on the hit list. Um, wow. But yeah, basically, if you have any questions, um, send me a message on there, and whether it's on blood play, bottoming, or any other kind of sexual aspects, um, and I will do my best. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, I do like, it seems like blogging's coming back. More it, people are starting blogs again. It is, and my blog is from like 10 years ago, so yeah. it looks horribly outdated, <laughs> and I probably should modernise it and update it <laughs> now that blogging is coming back. <laughs> Great. So it has been lovely to have you on. I'm Thank sure you. we'll have you on again for other stuff. I mean, I need, to, I need to find a more extreme kink to talk yeah. about next, clearly. I mean, I would like to just have you on for Bottoming 101, the podcast episode. Yeah, I would actually be yeah. totally up for that. I have lots of thoughts on that subject. Fantastic. 
All excellent. Great. So, uh, thanks for us. Everyone, play safe and have a happy Halloween. Ooh. Ooh.